Church family, let's turn in our Bibles to Luke chapter 1 and verse number 26. Luke chapter 1 verse 26. Last week I began a series that I want to work through during this month entitled The Spirit of Christmas. Now, to answer that question appropriately really is not what is the Spirit of Christmas, but who is the Spirit of Christmas. It's the Holy Spirit. As we looked at the account in Luke chapter 1 last week, I gave you quite a bit of background. I'll not be able to go back and and do that again. But we noticed all through Luke 1 and Luke chapter 2, even into Luke 3, the the announcement uh, from the angel that Mary would give birth as, as a virgin, that she would conceive by the Holy Spirit, the, the miraculous uh, ability for her relative Zachariah and his wife Elizabeth to conceive uh, for John the Baptist, the forerunner of Christ. And throughout these two chapters, we see again and again and again a reference to the work of the Holy Spirit. What I want to do is we work through this this month, <clears throat> pardon me, I want us to be able to look at the original account, not just because it's December and not just because it's, you know, a nice little Christmas event. I want us to see the principles of how God did a miracle, about how Jesus came into an impossible situation and how that applies to our lives today. There are important things. I want you to understand God's timing in your life. I want you to see the, the, the power of obedience in your life. I want us to discover what happens when our obedience intersects with the timing of God. The important thing for you to remember is that the principles we're learning here from 2,000 years ago work in your life right now. That you and I can apply these things and see them work and understand how God operates. So this is what we want to see. I want you to have a fresh understanding of the power of the Holy Spirit going to work with you tomorrow. How many need that? You say amen. About the power of the Holy Spirit going with our kids to school tomorrow. About how we allow God's kingdom to come. If Christianity is just a Sunday thing, then we're missing it. If Christianity is just a walking in the door issue, we're missing it. We must learn how to have a relationship with Jesus that's so powerful that it affects everything we do. So what we're going to learn here can be applied to every area of our life. So let's go to Luke chapter 1 and verse 26. And we begin reading. This is the, the, the announcement of the angel Gabriel to Mary. In the sixth month, God sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth, a town in Galilee. The sixth month of what? We answered that last week. It was the sixth month of Elizabeth's pregnancy. Elizabeth, Mary's relative, and her husband Zachariah were older people. They had never been able to conceive and have a child. And God had miraculously intervened for them. And now uh, John the Baptist, who's the forerunner of Christ, is, is being carried in Elizabeth's womb miraculously. And, and this plan is working. The first thing I want you to see and remember as we go through today that God is always ahead of us. That when we discover something's about to happen, God's already been making a plan. So in the sixth month, the miracle is happening. Mary had no idea what was going on. God was already in front of this. In the sixth month, God sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth, a town in Galilee, to a virgin pledged to be married to a man named Joseph. A descendant of David. The virgin's name was Mary. Now watch this, guys. The angel went to her and said, Greetings, you who are highly favored. The Lord is with you. Mary was greatly troubled at his words and wondered what kind of greeting this might be. Now, in another setting, if I just ask us and said, How many of you want the favor of God in your life? We'd all say, Let me see. Would you want God's favor? Everybody wants God's favor. 
But sometimes God, God's favor is a little frightening. How many heard what I just said? See, because favor is always connected to the purposes of God. God doesn't just release favor, blessing, provision, just because he's bored in heaven and, and didn't have anything else to do. His favor is connected with his purpose. And so God says, the angel says, Mary, you're favored. And she says, wow, this is a little overwhelming to me. But what happened? God was operating in her life. L- let me say this to you. What we're going to learn here is that obedience was creating this opportunity. When you're obedient to God, when you're living for God daily, you and I have no idea what God's doing behind the scenes. We have no idea what God is working, putting in place. I want you to understand, it is not always easy to be obedient to God. How many heard that? It's not always so easy. At the moment, to say yes to God may be very difficult sometimes. Sometimes to be obedient, you have to walk alone. Everyone else may not line up with you and go. So I want to tell you, I want to be very honest with you. Obedience at times is not the easiest choice. Obedience to God is not always the most convenient thing to do. But here's what I want you to see. Every step of obedience is positioning you for a divine appointment with God. When your obedience intersects with God's timing, amazing things begin to take place. See, Mary was just a young girl living her life and honoring God. And an angel comes and says, God has a plan for you. And, and, and the timing with God intersected with her obedience. Today, in your life, as you leave this building, as you love your family, as you love God, as you go to work, as you go to school, as you live your life, your daily obedience is positioning you for God to interact in your life. You'll notice that everything had been ordinary for Mary. Then it seemed like all of a sudden angels start operating in her life. And the Holy Spirit starts operating in her life. And it looks like this came from nowhere, but it was God's timing. You know, angels are are sent by God to help us. And you have no idea how many times angels may be around you getting things ready to do the will of God. And that's not strange or ethereal. The Bible says that. The book of Hebrews says sometimes we entertain angels and do not even know it. God sent his messengers to work for us. I remember one day... Uh, uh, somebody knocked on my office. His name was Mike Farrell. Mike Farrell was one of the first men that we led to the Lord out of the Decatur work release camp. He was, he was incarcerated. He'd spent most of his adult life in prison, to be honest. And there in the Decatur work release center, they allowed us at that time to come in and, and minister. And Mike was saved and a whole group of men accepted Christ. And so Mike served his time and was released and was coming to the church. And he knocked on my office door one day. He was so excited. He said, Pastor, he said, I, I want you to know I, I bought a car. Now, I don't mean this. You know, it's just true. You know, he had had other cars, but he'd stolen those. But this one he bought. And so, you know, he was super excited because we could drive this car and not look for the police all the time, you know. So Mike knocks on the door and said, Pastor, I, I, I bought my first car. This man, he's, you know, he's not a kid. But he had he bought one. You know, he, he, he's making, he's a new man and he's doing things honest. And I went out to look at his car and Mike wasn't able to buy a brand new car. But man, he was proud and I was happy for him. He's a pastor. Could I take you for a ride? I said, yeah, Mike, come on, let's go. Show me this car. So we got in Mike's car and this was, my office was over on Beltline, the Beltline campus. And we, it was middle of the day, we pulled out on the Beltline campus and poor Mike, we drove three blocks 
And the car, just stopped. We pulled over to the shoulder. He's like, oh, man, you know, he's so happy about his new car. And so, you know, we pull over to the shoulder. And, and why do you, you know, I got to be honest, I don't know why I did this, because I sure didn't know what to do next. But we get out and raise the hood. Why do you raise the hood? I have no idea what I'm looking at in there, but I'm no mechanic. But, you know, men do that. You, under, you know, we're going to fix it. So we get out and raise the hood. I mean, what in the world I'm going to do? I have no idea. But so we're, st- <laughs> we're standing there with the hood up, staring at the, at the engine. And, uh, and this is broad daylight now, out on the belt line. I mean, there's no trees or forest or anything around us. And, and, and we raise the hood and look down, and I look up. Here comes this guy jogging down the shoulder of the highway. He's not in a jogging suit or workout suit, just regular clothes. He's running down the, the highway. And he kind of slows down. He didn't stop. And when he gets by the car, he taps it on the side right by us. He's right there. He taps it. He said, it's going to be all right now. And I was like, I said, so start the car, Mike. Man, it started right up. I was like, whoa. And I looked around. He's gone. I don't know where he came from. I don't know where the guy went. I, 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 you know, I mean, he, he just was there and gone. I'm, I'm not, there was nowhere for him to hide. And, and, uh, I looked at Mike. Mike looked at me. I said, man, we, we got an angel. We had an angel today, Mike. And, and, uh, and you know, that car never, that car started from then on. He never had any more trouble starting that car. Uh, you know, he just tapped it. I'll never forget that. And here's what I want you to see, is that around you right now, God has this under control. God knows what's coming next. How many are thankful for that? And when you're, we have to see this, your obedience positions you, puts you in the right trajectory for God's timing to intersect your life. And in those moments where obedience intersects God's timing, that's when we get those glimpses of God's power supernaturally operating. Can I tell you today, it's worth being obedient to God right now. Don't give up right now. Stay on board. Let God bring you to one of those divine appointments. Some people will look at you and say, you're the luckiest person in the world. You're not lucky. You're obedient. Some people will look at a Christian and say, you know what? She was just at the right place at the right time. No, she wasn't. She had been obeying God and taking many steps for God to align her with that moment. And so we, I want you to see that. That's something important to learn. So he said, you have favor on your life. Mary was trying to figure this out. She was in, in, in verse number 29. Mary was greatly troubled at his words and wondered what kind of greeting this might be. Verse 30. But the angel said to her, do not be afraid, Mary. You found favor with God. He, he says that again. Verse 31, you will be with child and give birth to a son and you are to give him the name Jesus. He will be great and will be called the son of the most high. The Lord God will give him the throne of his father David and he will reign over the house of Jacob forever. His kingdom will never end. And then I want to really work through these verses. Last week I worked through the introduction, but let's, let's see this because this works for you just like Mary. This is how you open your life for God to do the impossible. So what does she say? Verse 34. How will this be, Mary asked the angel, since I'm a virgin? She, she, you know, she said, I, I'm not trying to be disrespectful. I just have an honest question. You have told me that my assignment is to give birth to the Son of God. And she said, I just don't understand. I'm a virgin. It's impossible. You can't do that. Listen to me. I want to, I want to reiterate this truth from last week. God will always lead you to a place where the next step is impossible 
without him. God will lead you to a place in life where the next step is impossible without him. Why? Because he wants your focus on him. He wants you to see this is bigger than me. I, I can't do this. That's, that's how this works. There will be opportunities God brings in your career, in your business, that you're going to look at and say, you know, I can't do this. This is too big for me. I, 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 I don't know. How is this going to be? Maybe some of you today listening to me now or those sitting here, some of you watching television, some of you live streaming, some right here, you might be considering how the Christian life would work for you. Maybe you haven't made that decision yet. Maybe you haven't accepted Christ as your Savior. Maybe you're, you're, you know, you're just kind of checking this thing out. Let me tell you, be quite open and, 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 and honest with you. Before I accepted Christ as my Savior, one of the biggest hurdles I had during those, you know, there was a period of time where, where the conviction of the Holy Spirit was just, uh, I don't know, walling me in. God, I was, He was pressing me in. And I remember during that time thinking, I can't live the, how am I going to live this Christian life? I don't think I can do this. I, I don't think that, that, that I'm strong enough as, as a young single college student. I, I, I knew what the Bible said. I said, I don't think I can do that. I just, it's, it's not going to work, God. I, you know, maybe someday, but right now, I, I can't do it. You know what I was doing? The same thing Mary was doing. I was trying to understand how to live my life without God. I was trying to look at George Sawyer apart from Christ. And what I learned when I finally just surrendered my life, that's why it's always a step of faith. Because you're never going to understand how your life changes until it changes. You have to just say yes to God and he'll begin to change your life. I said, God, I can't do it. But what I discovered after I gave my life to Christ is with him, I could do it. And here's what I want to say to you today. Listen to me. It's important. We live, it seems to me, in a Christian culture today where half of what I hear being taught and preached is kind of like this. It may be not exactly, but it feels this way to me. And I, I think we're being mistaught now. People are saying, well, you know, hey, relax. No one's perfect. We knew that without somebody telling us, didn't we? And, and, and you know, if, if you sin a little or you mess up a little, come on, man, you know, hey, it's, it's all good. He's a big old God and loves you. And he does love us. And he knows how we're made. And he knows where we're weak and where we're strong. Listen to me. But I found out a long time ago, I don't need to stand up here and give people a license to sin. They're going to sin with or without a license. What I've kind of discovered in, in my journey as a pastor. So what I want to say to you today is not condemnation, that you've got to have some perfect life or God doesn't love you. That's not what I'm saying. I don't want to put on you some religious ritual that no one can live up to. But on the other hand, I don't want to stand up here and tell you that it doesn't matter how you live. Because what happens when someone tells you that they're underestimating the power of God in your life. Because what you cannot do, God can do. What was impossible for you is not impossible with God. And when you look at a situation and say, I don't understand how this is going to work, I can tell you, God already has a solution for you. And your obedience will put you in a place to discover that. Can I be honest? Not only did I say that same thing before I got saved, God, how can this be? I remember very clearly to this day when I began to realize that God was changing the course of my life. I was already in college. I was going in a particular direction. I, I was studying. I had a career path. And, 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 but I had chosen all of that before I was a Christian. I'd never asked God what he wanted me to do with my life. And after a few months, I began to realize, you know, I've never asked God what he wants me to do. 
And the Holy Spirit was dealing with me. And, and as I began to realize, oh my goodness, God's calling me into ministry. There was no one more shocked than me about that. And I remember thinking, you know, God, something got mixed up here. If you sent an angel, if I lived at 1802, that angel was supposed to go to 1804. He got mixed up today and went to the wrong house. Because, God, when I look at me, I can't do that. I have no way. How can this be? George Sawyer is not the material to be a pastor. I, I, I don't have what it takes, God. And, and I remember wrestling and wrestling with this and thinking, God, I, I just can't do it. I remember saying, God, I'm a Christian. I've gotten saved now. I love you with all my heart and soul. I'm yours. Whatever you want me to do. You know, I was saying that, but I wasn't, was I? You know, I'll, I'm going to have my job and I've got a good career and I'm going to pay my tithe and, and I'll give money and I'll support the church and I'll help the pastor out and I'll catch the vision and I'll do everything. But God, you don't want me being a pastor. You don't want me preaching. I remember getting around guys and said, I've known it all my life. Can I be honest with you? I never had one single thought that I was going to be in the ministry. Not one, ever. It never crossed my mind till God began to deal with me in those days after I got saved. And it scared the shoes off of me. You talk about being troubled. I was troubled. I was greatly troubled. But I had learned something at that point. The only option I had, if I was going to keep walking with God, was say yes. And I said, God, I can't figure this out. But if you call me, I say yes. I changed my college. I moved. I did everything. I'm going to follow God. Now, can I tell you something? To this day, standing in front of you, I'm unqualified. To pastor this church. To this day, I don't have what it takes. I'm so far in over my head right now that you ought to be scared. You ought to be praying. God have mercy on us all. George Sawyer's our pastor. I'm as serious as I can tell you. Because you know the only thing I have going for me to pastor this church is that I keep saying yes to God. That's all I have. That's all I have. And I keep trying to say yes. And, and all throughout my time of pastoring this church, I've had days as a pastor, born again, saved, filled with the Holy Spirit, called into ministry, where I've had to say, God, how can this be? And you know what? He gives me the same answer that he gave Mary that he gives you today. Let's look at this next verse. He says to her, verse 35, the Holy Spirit will come upon you. The Holy Spirit will come upon you. That's the answer. That's the solution. The Holy Spirit will come upon you. And he says the power of the Most High will overshadow you. Do you understand? He literally says when you say yes to God, the Holy Spirit comes on you. In Luke chapter 24, when Jesus told the disciples after the resurrection, you'll go back into the city of Jerusalem and you wait there for me. And this is how the Bible says it in Luke 24. And you will be clothed with power from on high. He says, I am going to cover you with my power and my presence are you with me instead of people seeing your inadequacy and what you don't have and who you are i'm going to clothe you with who i am 
And I will make the difference up on everything you're short on. Do you understand how that works? That only happens when you say yes to God. So listen to me. Can you live for God working where you work? Yes. Because if you say yes to God, when you go to work tomorrow, you can walk in. I mean the toughest, nastiest, meanest place on this planet. And that's not always where they're, you know, it's like a hard job. It may be the toughest, nastiest, meanest people on the planet. And you can walk in there. And God says, the Holy Spirit will come upon you. And the power of who? What does it say? The most high. The highest power that exists in the universe. The Holy Spirit. The power of the most high will overshadow you. And you'll walk your life. Not in the weakness of man. Not in the I can't do this. It's alright to say I can't do it. Just don't stop there. It's all right to say, this is too big for me, God. Just don't stop there. God brings you to that place to recognize you need his power operating in your life. You can go to school and serve God in school. You can serve God in the marketplace. God can bring his hand on your marriage. He can bring his hand on your career. Why? Because when you and I reach the end of our ability, God always says the Holy Spirit will come upon you. This is a picture of the New Testament. I want you to get this. See, in the Old Testament... The Holy Spirit would come upon the prophet, come upon the priest, and then it would lift until the next time God used him. For you and I that are born again in the New Testament, you know the Holy Spirit doesn't come and go with us. He lives in us. How many are thankful for that today? It's not a coming and a going. He lives in us. But for Mary, he was showing her something that gave us some insight. She was thinking, God, I'm not a priest. I'm not a prophet. I'm a woman. I can't be a priest in the Old Testament. I can't be a prophet in that sense in the Old Testament. I'm disqualified. He said, Mary, get this. Mary, you remember Elijah? Oh. Do you remember Elisha? Yes. You remember Moses? Yes. Mary, the same Holy Spirit that anointed those mighty men of God is going to come upon you right now. You know what he's saying to you and I today? The same Spirit, Romans 8, 11, that raised Christ from the dead will quicken your mortal body right now. And so when you walk up to your, how will this be? The same spirit that raised Jesus from the dead will begin to operate in your life. When you forgive a person that you've not been able to forgive and you choose to do the right thing, the same spirit that raised Jesus from the dead comes into your life. When you say, God, I'm going to say yes. When you're at work and you know that you know. How many of you know this? Come on, be honest. The Holy Spirit gives you that nudge and says, you need to go pray for that person. And you're like, oh, God. Tell the truth. Come on, tell the truth. You're there and you know it. You didn't think that. Can I tell you, listen, can I help you out a little bit about the leading of the Holy Spirit? Usually the first voice is God and the second one is yours. Can I help you with that? I'm telling you, that's a very basic thing. Why do you mean? Well, Well, I just showed you. It probably wasn't you that thought you should go pray for the person. It probably was you that said, oh, see what I'm saying? The first Voice, I don't mean audible, in here, you with me? It's probably God. Because you don't left to yourself think to do those things. Now, I live with a lady who, I'm, I thank God Phyllis really loves me, because so far in our life, I'm the only thing she hasn't given away. And it keeps me on my toes, because <laughs> I don't want to be given away. Because I told her, I love you. I said, if you move, you know you're leaving me because she leaves. I'm moving with her. You understand what I'm saying? See, we're together. Phyllis gives away everything. She's, she's one of the greatest givers I've ever seen in my life. 
I mean, we're driving through the drive-thru and somebody said, oh, that's a beautiful bracelet. I think, here we go. She gives it to her. We go places and walk in and, and somebody says, where'd you get that purse? I'm like, oh, here it is. I mean, so don't go do that today, all right? None of you come do that tonight after this. She just does it. Do you think that first voice is her? Probably not. But she's learned to listen to that. You see what I'm saying? And if we always say no to God, we'd have little time to get to understand his voice. See, the way you begin to recognize the voice of God is say yes, and you hear the next step. And the next step, does that make sense? That inner voice. If I say no the first time all the time, I never get anywhere in that conversation. But if I continue to say yes to God, then I get to, that, that voice, that inner leading of the Holy Spirit is clearer and clearer to me. The first direction is usually God, and the second voice is usually you and me. God says, give that person some money. And our voice says, I don't have enough. Or the voice of the Lord says, go pray for that person. And your voice says, what are they going to think about me? Or the Holy Spirit said, are you with me? I mean, isn't that really true? Think about it. Usually it's never, God, can I go do that? And God says, no, be stingy. See, it usually doesn't work that way. Usually, the beginning is God directing you. And as you say yes to him, guess what happens? The Holy Spirit comes on you. And the power of the Most High will overshadow you. I, I, it's, it's how that experience works in your life. Can I encourage you? Say yes to God. Say yes to God. Listen, I went on a mission trip and came back in my office at church. And the only thing left was my desk. I said, Phyllis, where's the couches and the chairs and the pictures? She said, well, you know, so-and-so family didn't have anything. And I just told them to come pick it all up. I said, all right. So until we can buy some more furniture, if you came to my office, you just sit in a folding chair. There, you just, Hi, come on and sit down. Or you want to sit in my chair? She left my chair at my desk. I was really thankful for that. So she's got that first voice down really well. It's usually you and me that are afraid to obey God. Am I right? Huh? I'm right. You know what? And sometimes, and I'll go on with this because I'm going to meddle and we'll, I'll lose you. Sometimes, he not only tells you to do something. He tells you not to do something. That's the Holy Spirit. It's a blessing. Listen, have you ever been driving down the interstate and you get a little bit off? And you know how they've, put, they've grooved the pavement? Makes that sound. That's kind of aggravating, isn't it? But isn't that a lot less aggravating than hitting the rail on the other side of the groove pavement? So, you know, sometimes the Holy Spirit will... And he's just trying to say, hey, if you keep doing this, you're going to wreck your car. If you keep doing this, you know, you're going to wreck your life. See, sometimes, you know, things are going well, and all of a sudden the devil sends somebody in your life that you don't have any business being around. Listen to them. We'll try to help you. And inside, the Holy Spirit's going, everybody with me? And and so that's the, see, did you know the Holy Spirit sounds like, see, I taught you something right there. So what happened? You're, you're, listen, you're not in the groove. You're about to get out of the groove. You understand what I'm saying? You're, are you going to get in the wrong groove in a minute here? So, so, so you're edging out of the will of God. You're moving out of, you're, you're getting in trouble. And the Holy Spirit's trying to warn you. And what you, if you're smart, you know what you say? You agree with that first voice and say, thank you, God. Let me get back over here. If you ignore it and say, I'm going to do what I want to do. It's going to be all right. Bang! That guardrail's coming at you. And you know what we learned from Jesse about sin, didn't we? Huh? What does it do? Three things. It's going to cost you more than you planned on paying. 
It's going to keep you longer. You plan on staying. Huh? Cost you more. You plan on paying longer. You plan on staying. What else is it going to do? Take you farther. than You plan on going. That's what happens. So we begin to listen to the direction of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit comes upon us. And what do we read here? The power of the most high will overshadow you. So look at this. Watch this. I want you guys to understand this. Maybe you never. So the Holy One to be born will be called the Son of God. So what the result of obeying God, of saying yes to God, of obeying the leading of His Word and His Spirit, is that God birthed something in your life that wasn't there before. There is something now in you you did not have before. There's a faith. There's an obedience. There's a relationship. Guys, I just want this to be practical and work in your life. And Christianity not be a theory, but a lifestyle. And he says something holy, something that was not there with your own ability is birth. Now watch this. In the case of Jesus, I want you to think of this. He was placed in Mary's womb by the Holy Spirit. She was a virgin. She was incapable of conceiving a child, but God, by the power of the Holy Spirit, overshadowed her, placed within her womb Christ. She gave birth to his humanity, but God had placed him there. Now, in the normal human reproductive process, when the, the, the male and the female unite in the reproductive process, you can always determine who the father of that child was or is by checking what? The child's what? Blood. And you, DNA, you get that from their blood. That's a paternity test. The way to know for sure who the father is when the DNA chain forms in the, in the, uh, development of a child in the mother's womb, the blood is always contributed from the father. The father contributes the blood. So you can do a blood test and determine 100% accuracy who the father is. Now watch this. What was birthed by this miraculous intervention of God with Mary was something that had never happened on this planet, nor will ever happen on this planet again. And it was the reason why. Because you see, if Mary was the mother, but there was no earthly father, then where did his blood come from? Well, God sovereignly created that child in the womb. And the blood that flowed through his veins, are you ready for this, had no earthly DNA connected to it. So when he died on a cross and shed his blood, it was the purest sacrifice and the purest blood that was ever shed. He was holy. There was something created that had never existed before. Do you know you're one step of obedience from God doing something in your life that you've never seen God do before? Something that's bigger than you, greater than you, stronger than you. The blood that flowed through his veins. My goodness, Mary was his mother, but the Holy Spirit was the one who placed him in her womb. And did something unparalleled. And God wants to do this. So let's hurry on. I want to bring this to this to this point. How do we lock this together? In verse number 37. For nothing. She, see, so he said the Holy Spirit's going to do this. God's going to work. Verse 36 says, even Elizabeth, your relative, is going to have a child in her old age. And she was said to be barren as in her sixth month. Verse 40, 37. In my translation and the King James translation, it says, for nothing is impossible with God. But I want you to notice, look at this. This is the King James Version. For with God, are you like that? For with God, listen, he doesn't say when God's with us, when I'm with him. You follow me? See the difference in that? When I'm walking with God, for with God, what do we read? If you're with God, 
Nothing should be impossible. Now, now, okay, now look, you guys are on it. Excuse me, I saw a basketball game and a girl shot three, three points in a row. And her family was sitting over here and they said, she's on it, doggone it. So sorry if that offends you, but they're on it, doggone it today. Okay, for no word from God will ever fail. For no word from God will ever fail. The same phrase in the Greek, they struggle how to translate it in English because literally, what are they saying? No word from God will ever fail. Nothing with God is impossible. It's, that's not that hard. What we're saying, if God says it, it's not impossible. If God declares it, it will never fail. If God speaks it, it's going to happen. And so this is what he said to Mary. And this is what I want you guys to see. He says, with God, Mary, nothing is impossible. With God's word, this is what God said. But the thing that's critical for you and I, let's keep reading. It's verse 38. I am the Lord's servant, Mary answered. May it be to me as you have said. May it be to me as you have said. It's one... God has said His Word. His Word is stated. Everybody agree with that? The Bible's there with you on your device or in your Bible you're holding. There's the Word of God. It has not changed. It will not change. So God has stated His, His given His Word. But you have to agree with that Word. You have to accept that Word. It never ceases to amaze me that Gabriel, the archangel, sent by God to a little teenage virgin... And he gives her the word, and then he has to wait until Mary says, okay, may it be to me like you said. And it says, look at verse 38, then the angel left her. Do you know right now, you have this. You have this. This is God's word. And no matter what situation you're in, you have an option. You can choose to do it yourself. We can choose to, you know, put God last. We can do everything else. Or we can say, this is the word of God. And I'm going to choose to say, may it be to me according to your word. I'm going to take your word. I'm going to stand on this. I'm going to take your word. And when you do that, watch this. It's just like you go in reverse back through those verses. If you say yes to the word of God, then the Holy Spirit comes upon you. Then what's born is holy. Then God does something you can't do. So right now you have a choice in what you're facing in life. Am I going to take God's word? Am I going to do something else? Am I going to choose to do what God said? Am I going to choose to believe this word? Or am I going to take another path, another option in my life? You have free will. You can do what you want to do. You can choose his word and the Holy Spirit will enable you and help you. Or you can keep trying to do it yourself. Those options are in front of us all the time. Which way are we going to go with this? Nothing is impossible with God. No word from God will ever fail. No word from God is without power. So I make a choice. Which one am I going to take? But it says with God. So let me, let me show you this. There's a phrase we use. It's kind of older. Maybe some young people haven't heard it. But when a lady was pregnant or expecting, there's a term we'd often use and it says she is with child. You ever heard that? She's with child. Okay, I want to help you guys. Now, you guys, work with me, men. Okay, work with me on this. Going to, going to push you a little bit. Work with me. Just like a woman gets pregnant, she's with child. She's carrying that child in her womb. It hasn't been born yet, but he's, she's there. The child's there. She's carrying that child. What does her body do for those nine months that that child is in her womb through the umbilical cord? She feeds and nourishes that baby every day. Because although you can't see it, she knows that baby's there. Her body knows that baby's there. Guys, ladies, there comes a point when you're facing the big challenges of life 
where you walk up and say, I don't know how this is going to happen. I don't know how I'm going to be strong one more day. I don't know how I'm going to hang on one more day. And you walk into your face that, I don't know the other way to say it. You're going to have to, in your spirit, in your heart, you're going to have to get pregnant with the word from God. I don't know how to say it any other way. You're going to have to receive his word in your spirit and you have something to hold on to. And the Holy Spirit will take that word and begin to bring something in your life. Now listen, it's not going to happen just like this. Sometimes I've faced some things in my life so big, this is the only thing I knew to do. I had to get alone with God. How many hear what I'm saying? I'm going to help you discover how you get this in your life. Listen closely. I had to take some time alone with God. I had to turn everything off. I had to turn the television off. I had to turn, shut the computer down. I had to lay the phone down. Listen, I'm not trying to be cute or ugly or anything else because I know you're going to do Twitter. I know you're going to get on Facebook. I know you're going to Instagram. I know you're going to Snapchat. It's all like that. That's cool. That's all right. But listen to me. If you Snapchat, Instagram, uh, Facebook, Twitter, tweet, whatever you do. Tweet, tweet like a bird. Whatever you do. If you do that and you never get this open... You're not going to find what Mary found. There are going to be days, listen to me, moments where you have to decide, do I believe God's big enough to do what he said? Not in my mind. Something's going to have to get in my spirit. I'm, I'm, I'm going to have to get hold of this. I'm going to have to get pregnant with this word. You, you, I, I'm sorry, I can't think of another way to say it. You're going to have to be with God. You're going to have to get a word and you're with this word. And once you get that in you, it, it doesn't happen with 30, 300 things running around. You're going to have to get alone with God and say, God, I need you. Put your word. God, give me a word. Give me a word. See, you, you go in here and you dig this thing out. I was this morning. I like the very first thing I read. I, I read my Bible. I have it marked. But I, 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 one of the things I love every day on uh, version. There, there's a verse that's, that, that's said. And listen, this is today's verse, Isaiah 43, 2. When you pass through the waters, I'll be with you. Now, see, what we'd rather say, I don't want to go through the water. But sometimes you're going to have to walk through the water. So he says, when, when you pass through the waters, listen, I will be with you. And when you pass through the rivers, they will not sweep over you. See, most of us have been taught that if God is God and God is good, you don't go through the river. I don't know what Bible those people read that preach that stuff, but they, they need to get back. They need to be quiet and read their Bible some more before they preach anymore. So he says, when you pass through the waters, I'll be with you. When you pass through the rivers, they will not sweep over you. When you walk through the fire, you will not be burned. The flames will not set you ablaze. There are going to be days in your life where it looks like you're about to drown. And you better have a word from God in that day. That's not dangling out here in the maybe think kind of I feel, ooh, I feel, no. It has nothing with feelings or emotion or circumstance or sight. It's just I have a word from God. It's in my spirit. I must hold on to that word. And the water hits you in the face and a fire burns around you. And you look up and you're still walking because God is with you in that moment. If you do not have something within your spirit, you're going to bail on those days like that. You're going to bail on those days. But if you can grab that, and I don't know how to say it any other way, you must take a moment in your life and realize I, this is bigger than me, and I'm going to have to allow the Holy Spirit to take the Word of God and make it real in my life. Now, folks, if we're talking about ordinary Christianity, go to church, endure a message, get home, thank God it's over, get out of the place, and come back again when you feel guilty These kind of moments aren't going to happen in your life. 
But when we begin to get something that's bigger than a pastor, and bigger than a church, and bigger than religion, and bigger than a have to, and we begin to understand no word from God is without power. No word from God will fail. Nothing is impossible with God. And I realize if my spirit's empty, if there's nothing in me, I struggle to get that. But I can find a place with God wherever you are in your journey. If you've been saved a long time or a short time. There are things that I can't solve. There are situations I don't have the answer. But instead of dwelling and dwelling and dwelling and dwelling on that, I have to back up and say, God, give me a word. I have to go find me a word. You understand? Listen, I believe in prophets and prophetic words and the gift of prophecy. I've encountered it, been blessed by it, and, and been used with that. But listen, I can't wait on you to come tell me something. I've got to get it right here. I have to find this. I have to go dig it out. You know, and, 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 and then when God sends a prophet in it, it confirms it. Hallelujah. Thank you, God. You understand that? You've got to decide. I'm going to get a word. But, you know, we've we got to stop calling somebody else to pray for us. You have to stop saying we've got to get a pastor here and lay hand on. And you, you, you're going to have to find some God. You're going to have to get God, get alone with God. And I'm going to tell you, you'll begin to build a faith level. You'll begin to build an encouragement. You'll begin to have a moment in your life where instead of being God, He's my God. Where, where you, where you begin to realize, you know what? I walked up to an impossibility and I said, God, I don't understand. And God brought me through to the other side of this thing. That's the God we serve. I want you to stand with me. Now listen, it's early. If you leave now, you're going to freak everybody out. So just stand. Come on, stand. Come on, stand up, but don't leave. Pastor Joy, come. I want to do something. I stopped early on time, on purpose. I want us to pray a prayer together right now. Because I sense that you need a word from God today. You need to grab something that will walk out of this room with you. You need to leave with something. How many hear what I'm saying? That we've allowed the Holy Spirit to take God's word and do something inside of us. I want Pastor Joy to come and we're going to, and, and any of those that, the musicians or, and or singers, uh, we're, we're going to sing that last song again. Now, now look at me. I want you to look at me. We're going to sing that when he walks into the room. Let's forget about this room. Look at me. I'm talking about this room. My spirit. When he walks into the room, everything changes. Because life has a way of doubt and fear and stress and, you know, the unknown. Pushing those things in. Listen, we're going to sing. When he walks into this room, everything changes. Darkness starts to tremble. At the mention of his name. Wouldn't you like the heaviness to start lifting off your thoughts and, and, and your faith? And then when he walks into the room, dead things come alive. What about your dream? What about that promise? Sometimes we just get tired of holding on, don't we? And make some choices. Say, it's just easier not to try. It's easier, just easier to give up. It's just easier to say no. Let's trust God. When he walks into the room, sickness leaves. Resurrection happens. Darkness gets off of us. Why? Because the Holy Spirit came upon us. And the power of the Most High overshadowed us. I want to welcome the Holy Spirit in this room right now. I want to entreat the Holy Spirit to come in this room right now. I want to ask you to unashamedly look in the face of God and say, God, this life is too big for me.
but it's not too big for you. This situation is bigger than I am, but it's not bigger than you are. And so, Lord, I open my heart to you today. I don't want you to listen to Pastor Joy sing. I want you to sing. I want you to let this song be your prayer. I don't want you to think about the church house. and I want you to think about your heart. This room is the only one that matters right now. You're with me? This room is all that matters. Pastor Joy, would you lead us? Come on, hear the words. Let's say this to God. You walk into the room. Come on, let me hear you say it to Him. Sing it. Everything changes. Everything. Everything. Darkness starts to tremble at the light that you bring. When you walk into the room. Yeah, come on. Welcome, welcome, welcome. Every heart starts burning. Yes, yes. And nothing matters more than just to sit here at your feet and worship you. Come on, get in that place, God. I just want to be with you. Walk into our lives. Walk into our spirit. We worship you. Welcome. Come upon us, Holy Spirit. Come upon us. When you walk into the room, sickness starts to vanish. Every hopeless situation ceases to exist. And when you walk into the room, come on, dead things. The dead begin to rise, and there is resurrection life in all you do. Come on, say it now. We love you. Welcome, welcome, Jesus. We'll never stop. Welcome, Holy Spirit. We can't live without you. to him. Lord, we love you. We'll never we stop. We, you. we can't live without you. Jesus, we love you. We can't get enough. All this is for you. Jesus, come and consume God. Our hearts are yours. We want you. We want you. Come and consume God. All we are. We give you permission. Our hearts are yours. We want you. We want you. Lord, we just thank you right now that you're our God. We open our hearts to you today. And Lord, we're so thankful that you love us, that you're for us. That Lord God, today you are bigger than the biggest mountain. You're greater than the greatest impossibility. So Lord, today we understand how Mary could look at life and say, how can this be? How can this be? But Lord, we're now learning that you have an answer. And you say, the Holy Spirit will come upon us. And the power of the Most High will overshadow us. For nothing is impossible with our God. Lord, place a word in us right now. 
Let our spirit grab hold of your word. Father, do something that's not just mental, it's spiritual. Do something beyond our capacity and let your word come alive in us in this moment. Father, I pray for every man and every woman in this room, every student in this room, everyone connected on social media, Lord, that there will be a receiving of your word right now. A catching of your word. A taking hold of your word. Lord, literally, Father, conceive in us now a new faith, a new life, a holy thing greater than our capacity, God. Lord, a new nature. Something heretofore unseen in our lives. Lord, your glory is that you take us from where we were to where you are. That we're being transformed. That we're not the same person just trying harder. You're making new creatures out of us, God. We receive your word. Holy Spirit, we ask you to come upon us. To live inside of us. To create a new encounter with a promise from God. Lord, let it become a living word. A living word. Not a dead letter. Not a ritual. Not a religious statement. But a living word that carries in our hearts. Father, thank you that for every single person hearing this message, you are walking us to an intersection with the timing of God. We are moving into a divine appointment where we will experience everything you are and everything we are not. We say yes to you. We hold on to you. We walk expectantly. Place your living word in us today, God. We walk with that. We cherish it. We nurture it. We feed it. We're moving to the intersection, the birth of your purpose in us, God. We love you. We praise you. We thank you for that today, God. In Jesus' name.